Well, hello there. What's a smark, you ask? Well, we're a special type of fan who understands and appreciates the product on a more in-depth level than you. Or so we like to think. And now, the world's foremost authority. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. It's too late yeah. for me. I'm like Gollum and the Ring Man. I'll jump in the fucking lava. It's, I don't want to, but it's gonna happen. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. Thug Life, man. Hug Life, man, not Thug Life. What is this? Why is Bailey Thug Life now instead of Hug Life? You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, everybody, back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 71, and we are coming off of Payback. What did you think of the show, Joe, if you were to give like an overall score of your impression? It made me want to drink a lot. <laughs> well, okay, so obviously the House of Horrors was absolute garbage, which we'll get into, but like, if, if you were to <laughs> take that out as a whole, what, what did you think of the show? I mean, I would give it like a low B if I was to give it a grade. Um, because yes, if you take out House of Horrors, um, that makes the matches better, but just some of the, uh, booking decisions made me question it too. Like having Jericho win the title just to lose it back on SmackDown, I felt like it was just one of those WWE decisions of, oh, people know that Jericho's leaving to go on tour with Fozzie, so we'll just swerve him tonight. Right. It, it definitely thing. just felt kind of like a... Let's swerve the crowd for the sake of swerving the crowd. Yeah, which always takes me out of the matches whenever they do that. But I was... And, and that's kind of what it felt like at the time. And I, it still could be that. But the more that I think about it now... And this is me extrapolating a little bit. We can go back into the pay-per-view. But let's go on this right now because I got it. Um, what if they're planning on having Jericho feud with Owens when he comes back? Do you think this oh. is a way to help bolster that i think you could have done that at the pay-per-view though i i think you could have had jericho lose and kevin still beat him up and it would just be just as fine what i but i mean like that they needed to have jericho get a win so that then when he comes back he has a little bit more i don't know like he has a little bit more strength in the feud if that makes sense but then he went out with the loss on smackdown though i know like i i'm not I'm not saying it's a really great idea. I'm just trying to figure out in their brain, like, if it wasn't just to swerve the crowd on that night, which honestly is probably what it was. You know what? Actually, yeah, here's, here's another. What if what if the idea was that they, because clearly the Owens beat down of Jericho was the moment that this feud was building to. And this is kind of, honestly, honestly, I thought that was what we were going to get at WrestleMania. Yeah. I, but they extended it Or the Raw after. Or the Raw after. But they extended it out and waited a little bit. And I think... Do you think part of that was like if they realized they wanted to put Kevin Owens on SmackDown and they were like, you know what? We need to have his first big moment on SmackDown be him destroying Chris Jericho. Like, do you think that could have been part of why they orchestrated it this way? Could have been. Like to help establish his identity on that show. Because like, you know, it, I think it really went a long way to establish his character as being one of the first things he did in NXT was to destroy Sami Zayn. And that really set the precedent for him mm-hmm. there. And then this is him coming to SmackDown. And this is like his first big thing that he's done is destroying Chris Jericho and getting back the U.S. title. So it could just be like a really nice exclamation point to kind of yeah, possibly. start I... off the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he had already established himself in SmackDown. But yeah, if you want to put the exclamation point on it, that could be it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out their insanity maybe it's just a yeah no you're just playing (laughs) devil's advocate uh another thing i would like for you to play devil's advocate on though i think you might be uh for this because of uh how you reacted when we talked about raw before we started recording uh alexa bliss defeating bailey clean in bailey's hometown yeah I think that there should have been a little bit more of like a heel move or something that was slightly cheating because like I'm really glad that Alexa won. I think that was great for both Alexa and for Bailey. I think the fact that she did it clean is the thing that was the problem. 
Not that it's something that can be, like, right. it, they can't be rectified, but, you know. Because it was still, like, you know, that moment of the Bailey got, like, injured and she took advantage of it, so it's kind of like a dick move rather than a cheating move. So it still gets some heat, but I think it would have gotten more heat if uh, she had actually cheated. It, it wasn't like, like, the finish on Raw is what we do expect. The eye rake and then hitting a DDT. Right, like, because an eye rake is, like, you know, and illegally move, right? Well, it's it's definitely yeah. frowned upon, right? Like, you're not allowed to do an eye rake. Oh, no, it's illegal. Like, if I'm it's trying done, to remember, it like, be the behind time. the ref. Because I'm I'd, I'd trying to remember there, there was a time that I've seen it where, like, the ref actually saw it. But I guess they just always do it. Oh, the ref doesn't I'm, see it. I'm sure that, that was one of the times they were like, hey, we'll just do it in front of the ref, but fuck it. But it should be behind the ref's back. And they, the announcers on Raw pointed out that the ref's back was turned mm-hmm. like they made sure you knew oh yeah shit alexis alexa wow just did like something bad right i guess my my problem is that like a maneuver like that is i've never seen somebody actually get disqualified for it so i think maybe they need to have certain moves yeah. to actually get people disqualified more often because with the eye rake it was my my head i was trying to be like is it illegal because like people do it all the fucking time and nobody gets disqualified for it so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, no, but it was just compared to the pay-per-view match where I felt like it was just her, her being a wrestler and not really, you're right, like Bailey had the slight injury spot that was just like, oh, yeah, she did what any person would do kind of a thing. Yeah. Whereas if you do like an eye rake and then a, a move, you're like, ah, oh, no, you're you're playing dirty there. Yeah, and in, in like I said, I think it was a little bit of a misstep, but I don't think it's a huge misstep no, because no, 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 no. because part of the thing about Bailey's character too is with being the underdog, you do have to just legitimately lose to people, like mm-hmm. you know, you have to legitimately lose to most of the other heels. And don't get me wrong, Bailey is a much better babyface when chasing the title. Yeah, and also too, like she'd had the title for a little while, so she kind of needed to drop it soon. Like, just to be able to get back into chase mode and to just be able to keep getting that sympathy. Because it's harder to get that sympathy when you're the champion, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, another wrench that this uh, decision goes into is how do you think they go about with Sasha now? Because we've been postulating for months now that Sasha was going to turn heel against Bailey. And I feel like that's now going to be harder if Bailey doesn't have the title. I don't think so. I think it could work just as well because I think. If Bailey's going for the title and Sasha's going for the title at the same time, then it's, well, you're directly in my way towards the thing I want. Mm. You know, whereas before it was like, yeah, I want to help you get rid of all these other girls because eventually we want to have our match and we can be friends. But now that you're in my way to get towards the thing I want, that's when I think the fangs can come out. Okay. Yeah, because I had heard that opinion before. Um, and I'm trying to think where, but the person I don't think explained it well enough of why Bailey not having the title still like that didn't affect their feud because they could still do a good job. I agree with that. I like your idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think kind of at this point, if, if I can kind of explain to you at least how I would book towards SummerSlam from here is Alexa holds the title for a little while until you eventually build towards, I'm envisioning kind of like a four way match. With Alexa, Naya, Sasha, and Bailey. And oh, I think that's exactly because those those are the only four that were acknowledged during Alexa's promo on Raw. Well, uh, yeah, and so you do that, and then eventually, so Sasha wins the title out of the four way match and screws over Bailey, and then Alexa and Naya can spin off into their own feud, and then at SummerSlam you have Sasha defending the belt against Bailey. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. You're that, or you can extend that shit all the way. Well, I mean, I figured you'd probably come back to that in some form or fashion at WrestleMania, perhaps. But and you can always mix and match along the way with those four, and yeah. throw in like Mickey James too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that would be the match I would build towards for SummerSlam for the women. Would be and didn't didn't that segment just show how much deeper Raw's women roster is than SmackDown's? Well, yeah, on the on the uh, well, it's it's not that much deeper. It's eight versus six. Yeah. And to be fair, on the <laughs> on the raw side of that, two of those women are Dana Brooke and Alicia Fox. Who were completely ignored in that <laughs> So, segment. I'll just go ahead and combine them into one whole wrestler. 
<laughs> since they're both about half a wrestler. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, and Emma too. She was ignored. Yeah, well, Emma Emma needs to establish herself a little bit. She hasn't. Yeah, she's kind of just come back. So I'm hoping she'll go ahead and squash Dana, and then she can step up into a better feud. Mm. Yeah, because maybe maybe she can start uh, feuding with either like Bailey or somebody like while she's still working on the Sasha feud. Yeah. Like building up towards the Sasha feud, I mean. But uh, that segment de- definitely did a good job of touching on like a Bailey feud, a Nia feud, Sasha feud, and mm-hmm. possibly Mickey feud. Yeah, and I thought uh, Nia actually got a decent pop there. Oh, major pop. Pe- people for were that starting to get into it. Yeah. This is the coronation segment we're talking about on Raw, of course. Yeah, it was the opening segment to Raw. And uh, yeah, and I thought Nia, I mean, she didn't have to say anything. But she did a pretty good job. I think she exactly. She really doesn't need to say a whole lot. Yeah, you know, she just needs to sit there and look badass. <laughs> yeah, like let's see. Let I'd be excited to see a little bit more of where we can go or where they can go with it. But um, mm. and my other thing I wanted to say to you about this segment is that normally I'm not a huge fan of these like six or eight people tag matches, but I think this one was a decent idea just because it kind of helped extend out the segment of like, hey, we're showing off the whole Raw Women's Division. Like these are the women for this year for raw and it was such a like a, a night and day to think about like only think about a couple of years ago when they would do those eight women matches on raw and it was literally a nothing segment it was like literally oh we have to put the women in here <laughs> right let's put them in a match and it was god awful and this was like a half hour of the women that mm-hmm. was very entertaining yeah it was great stuff um, let's see. So we talked about the women's match from mm-hmm. Payback. Uh, what else do we have from Payback to get? Uh, what was first? We have what was the very first uh, thing? Did we have? Uh, oh, Enzo and, sure Cass. Enzo and Cass versus the club. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Enzo and Cass won. The feud is continuing. <laughs> yep, they're gonna keep going with. It. Do you think this is like specifically just gonna like a feud for these guys for something to do, or do you think this is gonna build towards something? Like, is this gonna build towards like any sort of actual? meaningful story with Enzo and Cass. It feels like it's just something for them to do right now. It could evolve into something real for either team, but right now it just seems like uh all the other tag teams are taken up right now, so you guys just fight. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm trying to think like have Enzo and Cass actually had like a, a legitimate extended feud yet on the main roster? Or they just kind of like had matches with people and like semi feuded with people. Because I feel like they haven't really had a proper feud. I want to say they haven't had a feud, but it's. (laughs) I mean, I remember there was like a really brief one they were kind of doing with the vaudevillains, but that that was over within like a month. That was pretty quick when they first got to the main roster. But then I think past that, I I don't even really remember a specific feud. No. And nothing extended. Like, maybe something that lasted from one pay-per-view to the next, but that's about it. Did they fight the Dudley boys a couple times? Was that possibly? Okay, maybe they kind of... That that? was like a month one, though. I I can't think (laughs) of a major (laughs) long-term feud with them. Yeah, these poor guys, like, you know... I think they're, they've been starting to lose some steam for a little while now, and it's because they're just not fucking doing anything with these guys. And I really don't quite know why. Because, I mean, th- yeah, they're, not, they're not the greatest match in the world, but they're a fucking hell of a fun promo. People like them. They're a fun, quick match. Do you think they need to change up the promo at all? I th- Admittedly, I haven't heard some of them. I think maybe some of them get cut from the Hulu version because that's mm. usually what i watch so i haven't heard an enzo promo in a little while but just because like for... this this week i'll give you an example like i have no idea what the fuck enzo said like he went into his uh how you doing part mm-hmm. where he like lists off things and he barely listed off anything and i don't know what he was talking about hmm. well okay so yeah I, I haven't seen it a little while but if what you're saying is uh <laughs> anything to go by for the last while then maybe uh enzo's kind of fallen off the wheels with his promos but other than that i would i don't know i would assume that it's just because i remember for a little while when i was starting to think it wasn't 
as great. It seemed like every week was kind of the exact same. Instead of, I remember like back in NXT, it felt like every promo was kind of unique to whoever he was fighting and specifically in that week and what the storyline was. And like, it felt like every single promo was unique and fun. It almost felt improv. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even though it probably wasn't, you know, <laughs> uh, it felt that way. And that's, I don't know, it kind of felt missing up on, the, and maybe that's part of the difference too. Like maybe they have let them do a little bit more of their own scripting down in NXT versus having to follow a specific script up on Raw. Like I, I have no idea, but I don't know. It, it, it did start to feel less special to me after a little while. And maybe, maybe because they're out there almost like every week on Raw that it just feels like it's kind of getting overplayed or something like that. Yeah, that could be too. Because I think, yeah, especially for a little while in the beginning, because they weren't really committing to a feud, you know, they were just kind of having them come out and do stuff. You know, it just feels very much the same. And it just kind of gets irritating after a while. When it's the Uh, exact same thing. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I would like to see them try and commit to a real storyline with them right now. And I was I thought they were maybe they were kind of doing that there with like Enzo not being able to win a match because I think at some point that's a story you have to tell with them right? Is yeah. The like you know Enzo can't win a match and having to come to terms with that and <laughs> Cass having to like you know help him out I guess. Yeah, and I yeah that's definitely not helping them. Or who knows maybe a storyline like that could lead up to like a, a frustration angle and like Enzo breaking off from Cass because he's like so pissed that he can't win a match or cast breaking up from or yeah and jumping and being like dead weight fuck you yeah <laughs> which i have a feeling that's gonna be it you think they would turn cast heel like that i don't know if they would, they would consider him a heel but definitely i can see <laughs> if you drop your push. best friend dead weight that's a heel move man <laughs> yeah but wwe doesn't see money in enzo they only see it in cast so Oh, fuck you. That is not true. They see money in Enzo, just not as a wrestler. They see his yeah. money as a manager. <laughs> How many is, managers you know, do they have right now? Not that many, but they do have a few. But I'm pretty, yeah. like, I, I feel like there's no way they would have bothered bringing up Enzo if they didn't. Because, like, clearly he's nothing special in the ring. Yeah. But he's great on the mic. So they know what they see. They know what his value is. I, I don't know. I'm just waiting for Cass to go out on his own. I can see Vince. I mean, honestly, you know what? Maybe that maybe that's going to be part of an idea too. Is it like even if it doesn't lead to them splitting up or something? If like an Enzo can't win a match storyline is like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's stop being a tag team then. Let me just manage you. Yeah. And then Enzo is just like, I'm just not a wrestler anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Like, could probably get paid more <laughs> to not <laughs> just wrestle and never win. So. I think that would actually, you know, that's that's probably their best bet eventually. Actually, you know what? That is a better bet because every single tag match they have is the exact same formula. That's the fucking problem because they can't have a match other than Enzo being the babyface in peril. With yeah. Big Cass as a singles guy and Enzo as the manager, you can do a lot more. Right. As long as Cass can like wrestle a full match like that without being able to just do the hot tag and yeah, well, come in strong. We were starting to see a little bit of that. Like uh, there was a time in NXT when Enzo was injured, and then down on the main roster oh, yeah, too, but... he was injured for a little while. And I thought Cass was doing a pretty decent job. He was in that yeah. um, he was in that fucking four way for the Universal Title when the when Owens won it. Yeah. So yeah, I th- I think that that's the money. Let's see, what else we got on this card? There's the Finn Balor thing on Miz TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, where Finn Balor started the Finn Balor Just Kick My Ass Club. Yeah, the Finn Balor Just Kick My Ass Club. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? Yep, especially in his accent. The Finn Balor uh, Just Kick My Ass had... Club. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, then we had Aries defeating oh, Neville hold because... Hold on. Never I, I do have to say one thing for face Finn Balor. I thought it was kind of baller to him him calling out Brock Lesnar. That was the positive to that segment, right? 
both yes. Seth and him. Right, then, so we're going over to Raw. Is that what you're wanting to do? Or What was that? You were saying him and Rollins, because they both called out Lesnar. Oh, yeah, the Raw segment. Right, did you want to talk like, about that Raw segment? Yeah, I like that they did that. Okay, sorry, we're just getting a little <laughs> bit lost here. Uh, um, fuck it, right, so there, yeah, the Miss TV segment was nothing special. Um, but yeah, I thought Neville and Aries was... A uh, pretty fun match. I, I thought the pacing was great, but the uh, the DQ finish. I don't know. What did you think of it? Oh, uh, what for uh, Neville and Aries? Yeah. Sorry, I just <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Rollins and Balor at Raw, but yeah, back to the. Oh no! Well, I I thought I was asking you that, and I was fishing it out, but you didn't really seem to jump on it. So I was like, uh, fuck it, let's go back to the pay per view, I guess. All right, sorry, back to the paper. Yeah, let's just finish the pay per view. Yeah. Uh, I the feud with them, uh, but I think uh, the next pay per view, whenever that is, I think Aries needs to take it because I think it's this one or the next one should be like the ending point to their feud. Do you think that's just uh, how I feel, though? Right. So, do you think at this point that it would be best to have Aries take it and win this feud, or do you think it would be better to have Neville retain and finally end this feud? But either way, do you think they should have a stipulation? No, I think Aries has to take it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think next up is Extreme Rules, right? So they'll probably just do like a no DQ match or something. You know, they should do like a false count anywhere. Yeah, just something related to like Neville. You won't be able to weasel your way out of this one right like you won't be able to escape me because false count anywhere or something like Mm -hmm. that actually with the way they've been building him it could be a submission anywhere right oh yeah yeah i could see that yeah because they think they've done that once before yeah i believe they did i'm trying to remember who the fuck it was but like it was specifically called a submission anywhere match yeah um okay so yeah i would i would love to see that i would love to see a stipulation and i don't know i go back and forth because like i think it'd be kind of cool to see aries get the belt but honestly at this point i would honestly you know what fuck it i'd like i would like to see neville keep this belt i love neville and i would like to see him keep it too but i just don't see another challenger well a, a new challenger can emerge you know because you, you've got How a couple fast, though 205 live moves really slow <laughs> Well, you, you've got a couple guys cooking in there. You've got Tozawa that could, you know, beat Kendrick and then come up. No, he's he's still getting his like thirty lessons from Kendrick. <laughs> no, he's giving the lessons back to Kendrick. Yeah, so they're fucking repeating back. <laughs> well, they're almost done. They'll be done by the time that uh, Ares is, has lost to Neville. Or you could, uh, I don't know, do some sort of like multi-man intrigue with like T.J. Perkins saying like, "Hey, I want to cash in my title shot now. Like, I've been helping you out." You could build up, like, I don't know, you could, like, try Mustafa Ali or something. Maybe you could try Rich Swan again. But I think if you put the title on... If you put the title on Ares, you have some challengers ready to go. With I think you have Noam Dar. I would love to see, like, Tony Nese go for it or something like that. Or, like, Drew Gulak. I think on the heels, Drew Gulak as well, yes. You have some heels ready to go. Whereas the faces, I think we need some building. Besides maybe like Tozawa. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. Or, you know, if you put it on Ares, then you could have Neville and Perkins both gunning for him. Exactly. And then they're like getting in each other's way sort of thing. Like, I could see that. Yeah, you could have them try to go after the title together, get in each other's way, spin off real quick, then have either like Neville or TJ go for it alone. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could see that. Or like they yeah. could try and orchestrate like a, a triple see... threat match and like being like, "Hey, like let's take out Ares and then between us, like whoever if what if one of us wins it, then we can fight each other afterwards." Sort of idea. exactly. I just think you have I think you have a little more options with Ares having the title than you do with Neville, but and it's no fault of Neville. He's carried that title very well and done a great job. It's everyone else in the division that needs to rise up to the occasion. 
Well, part of it too is I think they need to they need to commit to giving some more of these guys a character because like Drew Gulak is I think a really great success story lately. They've like given him a character and they're committing to it, and I yes. think it's really starting to get over. And uh, just because my oh, and it my makes sense team. in that division, right? It makes perfect sense in that division. And uh, actually, I have a pitch for you for Drew Gulak. Um, just because my this is my only note from two five list week is uh, I think it would be great to eventually see Drew Gulak pair up with the Revival in kind of like a uh, manager slash sometimes third tag team member, kind of the same way Xavier is for the New Day. Because he's all like, you know, no high flying and they're all no flips, just fists. I think it'd be perfect. Mm -hmm. What do you think of it? Yeah, I can see it. Just Drew Gulak joining up the Revival. I would love to see it. Because then, you know what? It would be perfect. Because in a situation like this, when you have one of them injured, now you've got a third guy that would just rotate in, and you can keep the tag team going. <laughs> you don't have to have the other guy off TV this whole time. That's the great thing about a you know, Freebird-style tag team. Yeah. You get the... Well, yeah, that's why the New Day works, right? Mm-hmm. You're slightly more immune to injury. Yeah, because you can substitute in a guy. And actually, even just being able to, to substitute from time to time, you can just let a guy rest on a week if he's, you know, just nursing an injury that's a minor one. You're like, you know, I, just, I need to fucking sit this week out. My ankle hurts. So then I don't have to get injured this week because I'm trying to wrestle on a hurt ankle. Also, exactly. Um... But let's see, what was the next thing? Uh, was it the tag team match? Yes, where we had the Hardy Boys go over on Cesaro and Sheamus. But Cesaro and Sheamus do the handshake, leave, come back, and beat the crap out of the Hardys. Yeah, and I love, too, that uh, so part of the way that Sheamus tells the story was that uh, he didn't even initiate this, that Cesaro did. And that he was so proud of Cesaro turning heel <laughs> that he just joined in. <laughs> And we also had, um, what you call it, uh, Sheamus knock out Jeff Hardy's tooth. Yeah, that was a nice little bit to this match that just kind of adds to it, you know, and just adds to the promo too. Because I think Sheamus addressed it on Raw, I believe. Yes, he said that's the tooth of the problem instead of the truth of the problem. Right. <laughs> Fucking terrible ass jokes. But uh, <laughs> I'm liking the new attitude and the new look to be honest, from uh, Cesaro and Sheamus here. Yeah, and uh, what do you think of the new catchphrase? Well, actually, I was going to say this, I think, the other week, because I heard them say it before. I like the catchphrase. We don't just set the bar, we are the bar. The bar. Now, what do you think about them saying it together, though? That's my one problem with it. It came off as kind of corny. Yeah, but whatever. That's that's their thing. Yeah. If they don't say it together, then who's supposed to say it? The, the audience? Their heels. Well... If they did it, like, if one person did, we don't set the bar, and then the other guy went, we are the bar, I don't know, I think I would like it better. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But maybe you're not supposed to like it because they're heels. <laughs> I don't True. know. True. Yeah, they, they're trying to be annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Look, I like... we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> I do like that they're, it, cause, because they've been together for, what, almost a year now, these two guys? They they do feel like they, uh, yeah, they do feel like they actually have a lot more chemistry, and they do feel like they, I don't know, gel together a lot more than they did before. So the year together has seemingly brought them a lot closer, and I don't know. There's there's something about them together now that I do genuinely like. Like I wouldn't want to see them split up anymore. Because like for mm -hmm. a while with their tag team, it was like, oh, this is okay, but I just kind of want Cesaro to split back off eventually and leave Sheamus in the dust. But at this point, I actually kind of want to see them together for a little while. Like, I like this tougher, edgier, brawler uh, element from them. I think this is what they were missing. What do you think? Yes. And I also like the logical way that they turned heel as well. It was Sheamus saying, look, I was, I was pretending to be this good guy. When really inside, I, I want to be this bad guy. And finally, Cesaro came around to my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. He saw the truth of that his way doesn't work and it's bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like it. And uh, I like the name. I like the bar. Yeah. And I think Seamus is, uh, <laughs> I mean, Cesaro's character should start drinking now. <laughs> like that they should, you know, do a couple vignettes where they just go out to bars and beat the shit out of people. Like kind of a very APA style. I would almost think but that got them over as baby faces. <laughs> I think I think these I think this gimmick, if they keep doing it the way they're doing it, it it'll eventually turn them babyface again. Should they set up a uh, poker table and have a door in the back, and people can hire them? Well, no, they, they need to do something a little. They need to do more Europeany things. <laughs> Wait, go into like what should be a coffee shop and have a beer? Sure, yeah, they go into a coffee shop and have a beer. Oh man. Uh on the pay per view we also had Seth Rollins defeating Samoa Joe in what had to be the worst spot on the pay per view. Uh which one? Seth Rollins versus Joe. They came in they had their match right after uh Alexa defeated Bailey. Oh man. So the crowd I mean, was yeah, I mean, just this, out of it. <laughs> I mean this was bad, but I, I feel like I can't say anything was bad on the show compared to the house of horrors <laughs> yeah but i so you gotta remember it's a san jose crowd they just saw bailey lose and then you put rollins and joe out there like they had the uphill of uphill battles to climb yeah it was uh that was a i mean it was an okay match yeah it was a decent match i don't think they went out of their way to try to get the crowd back on their sides. i think they both accepted we're in a shit position let's just do what we can <laughs> yeah. But yeah um but i, yes, I like that, that at least the, the way that rollins won was that he seemed like he got lucky and escaped joe mm-hmm. that it wasn't like a dominant win because <laughs> that was the only thing i was like please just don't let rollins beat beat joe and that's why i thought his promo on raw was weird saying that he was like kind of done with joe <laughs> and then later in the night i was like oh okay yeah never mind <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Let's let's fucking just jump to that really quick. So you mentioned mm-hmm. it. that promo that Rollins gave was fucking <laughs> garbage. The the beginning was garbage. Towards the end, he made up for it. I think barely, but uh, yeah, he pulled out of that somewhat. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> he was in a nosedive, and he just had to really pull back on the controls. Yeah, that like oh, Jesus. I would have listened to Lucha things a hundred times. <laughs> over listening to that ever again <laughs> oh man so he comes out he starts being like a motivational speaker he's like how you doing yeah you doing good <laughs> you doing good man yeah I'm doing good oh man my life is so great man I, you know, I, I slayed the king triple h I beat Joe my life's just great cause I didn't give up when life is hard, because that's just life, man. You can't give up. <laughs> Eat a gun, you bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But then he just, like, out of nowhere mentally switched and all of a sudden went into, like, I beat Triple H, I beat Joe, who else do I have? And calls out Brock Lesnar. And I was like, great, awesome, this is cool. And then Finn Balor comes out, and he totally makes up for it, and he calls out Lesnar too. Both guys doing what I want people to do while Lesnar is gone, going like, hey, asshole, get back here and defend your fucking title. <laughs> Doesn't that just make it so much fucking worse? That What is he slated to come back? Is it July when he's supposed to defend it? Yeah, great balls of fire. What the fuck? All right, <laughs> I, I'm putting it right now. If anybody is forced to vacate their title between now and then fuck wwe (laughs) (laughs) like for injury or anything it doesn't matter it's like well what the hell brock lesnar isn't around (laughs) force him to vacate that shit motherfuckers but But yeah yeah, it's good that people are gunning for it and i liked that uh you had dean ambrose come out and in his weird way (laughs) Say that, look, Lesnar's gone. I've got the number one title. Mm-hmm. I almost I almost wish he wouldn't have put it with the caveat of because he's gone. I think he just should have said, hey, look, this is the most important title on Raw. Fight for this. But he, he did say, I think he made up for that slight, like, misstep. Like, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. By saying that he's a fighting champion. 
Yeah, that's true. Like, he wasn't just saying, like, I don't care about this title. Like, he was like, I will defend this anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. What'd you think of his little comedy segments throughout Raw? I was kind of into it. Yeah. I, I thought it Most wasn't, it wasn't shitting too on far, it. but... Well, yeah, I, I thought I it was that like... he was like it made sense because he was trying to talk to his you know potential competitors and all that. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I really like the Seth one. Like he's just like, wait, this isn't on the schedule. He's like, well, we have cameras in here. I mean, it's a locker room. Why else would you have cameras in here? <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird if there wasn't an interview. <laughs> yeah, and then he told Finn Balor to eat a carb. <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> You've got a vein down there. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have a vein there. Oh my god, you know what? He should show up on SmackDown and be like, Jinder, eat a fucking carb! There are veins <laughs> everywhere! <laughs> what the fuck, man? That is not healthy. <laughs> Dude, this is not healthy. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Okay, so we got that. Uh, Alright, uh, so which, which do you want to talk about last? Strowman Reigns or the House of Horrors? Let's get let's get House of Horrors done because at least Strowman and Reigns was good. <laughs> oh no no, I feel like we should save that for last then, right? The House of Horrors because it was the, the oh. big shit storm of the century. <laughs> Gotta yeah. say, that's like that should have been right. the, the main event of shit. <laughs> well, okay, so Strowman and Reigns, uh, I liked it. I did too. I thought because I thought it, it was Strowman exactly win. what it should be. Yeah, it's Strowman won, and they both just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Yes, true. Oh my god. Like, yeah, Roman Reigns coughing up blood. Thank you. Like Roman that. Reigns loves blood capsules. was a tweet <laughs> I read that night. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like it's untrue, I guess. But And did you like the uh I I also enjoyed the white wall that he just happened to cough up cough blood up on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hold on, let me get That's... over to the wall where you can see this. <laughs> yeah. And also, and also, there's a theory of a uh, Strowman has had a bad experience with an ambulance at one point and just really wants to take them out. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That's it. His like uh, his parents. Oh, you know what? All right. So a long time ago, Bray Wyatt like killed his parents or something, and yeah. they were trying to rush him to the ambulance, but or trying to rush him to the hospital, but they died in the ambulance ride, and so he hates so ambulances he because they. <laughs> So he wants to destroy them all because I don't know if his parents weren't alive that he he's like reverse Batman. It's like my parents died, so now everybody's parents have to die. Yeah, because I'm gonna destroy all the ambulances so nobody can be saved. <laughs> Look at this creating this mythology. Out, he beats the crap out of Reigns, makes him bleed and everything. Mm-hmm. Slams them with steps, you know the whole deal. And then he runs after him, and Reigns gets out of the way, and he takes out the fucking door. Yeah, you smash the fuck out of the door. <laughs> and then just, I like how he, so he hits the door, so Mrs. Reigns hits the door, lands in some boxes, and just, like, dazedly walks away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I lost that one. Well, it was, no, 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 he, so he crashed into those boxes, and then he came back towards Reigns, and then Reigns somehow, like, hits him with the the ambulance door like three times oh, in the right. arm yeah. and that then he's like and it runs away <laughs> it's like what about that. are you fucking me you just went through that entire match where way worse shit happened than you getting hit by a door three times and it was a door that was still on the hinges you just smash a door off the hinges come on how am I supposed to fucking believe that shit <laughs> The door really fought back. It was like, you killed my brother. <laughs> oh, man. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> this uh, one's for Rosie. I'll hit you with the other door. <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't talking about Reigns' brother. I was talking about the door. <laughs> I know. That's why I was saying too soon. Oh, jeez. I just made that connection. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, such heels. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was kind of uh, like, alright, I guess that's that's their explanation for uh, writing Strowman off. Yeah, like and this... I like that. Both guys, not on Raw. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I kind of would have been okay if Strowman would have been on Raw because I thought he came out of the match looking like he wasn't that fucked up. But yeah, I but thought yeah. 
I thought it was fine having both off. Just at least yeah. as long as Roman was not on TV. Jesus Christ. Can yeah. you imagine if fucking Roman just showed up on TV? And Strowman wasn't there. <laughs> and Strowman wasn't there? <laughs> and, like, I Roman's not even bandaged up. Night, but I'm here. I had internal bleeding last night, but then I was like, I'm the man. Or I'm the guy, right? Yeah. I'm the guy, and I just heal myself. <laughs> uh, so, should we go into our main event? Oh, the shit event of the century. The, uh, the House of Horrors match. Or, uh, I, I think it should have been named the Two, two Bums in a Crack Den match. <laughs> Which I would give the grade of F- minus in the context of WWE. I would give an A+. Plus in the context of TNA Impact. If this was supposed to be in the Broken <laughs> oh, Universe... On. Hold on. The Broken <laughs> Universe did this so much better. All right, that's true. If, if this was in the Broken Universe, I'd give it a B-. minus. How about that? <laughs> but in uh, WWE, this gets an F-. minus. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's this house. <laughs> well, first of all, Randy Orton is in a limousine wearing khakis... Yeah. And <laughs> elbow pads, but no shirt. <laughs> He's got to show off his abs somehow. <laughs> Why didn't he just wear his full wrestling gear? Why wear khakis? You know, the khakis can help you in a House of Horrors match. They, Or if you're going to wear fucking pants. stain resistant. Wear jeans. <laughs> jeans have a lot more to them than khakis. Come on. <laughs> but the jeans aren't stain resistant. <laughs> Anyway, so he, he, after picking out his outfit, he decides to uh, go to the haunted house that's uh, covered in, what was it, was it uh, blue light at first? Yes, it was blue light, and then it got drafted to Raw at the end. Yes, the house got drafted to Raw at the end, uh, but he shows up to the house where there's the, the creepy uh, lights outside and the moving tractor and all, yes. <laughs> all this other fucking uh, horrible cut cam shit. Where it just keeps going back to Randy Orton and is doing like, like have you ever played a Resident Evil video game before? Yes. It's what it felt like was like a really bad Resident Evil, uh, like experience thing. Of it's like Randy Orton's the main character and she's like, "What's that? Huh? This is strange." <laughs> just talking to himself. And then and then you turn and there's a room full of like baby heads. <laughs> You know what? It was like, I was hoping so bad that they were going to legitimately go creepy with this. Because, like, you know, Bray Wyatt, he was talking all this shit about how it's like, yeah, Randy Orton's going to be haunted forever, and he'll never be the same after he gets out of my haunted horror, House of Horrors match. And I was like, you know what? Have a room where, like, Randy Orton's dad is tied up naked and ball gagged, like getting raped in the ass with a dildo. That would scar him. Have a room... <laughs> <laughs> where Randy Orton's kids are kidnapped and like being tortured or something like do that that would be creepy come on like this shit is so stupid where he's like talking about how people are haunted forever I mean, and like Randy Orton like would have beaten him in this own match if Jinder Mahal hadn't showed up <laughs> like does that seem haunted at all to you well do you know why it Randy Orton was so haunted that he ran so fast away from the mat, the house that he beat the limo back to the arena. You're right. That's that's what happened. All right, so he got so scared that he uh, got the adrenaline strength to lift the fridge off of himself. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He had a fridge on top of him. And then ran uh, faster than the limo could drive Wyatt back. All right, hold on. We have to go back. There's so many other shitty things we missed. Mm. So... Yeah, uh, Wyatt comes out in his best uh, wife beater to, to beat the shit out of Randy Orton in this house um, by ambushing him with no weapons. No, like, no weapons were used in this at all. No weapons, basically. other than the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and they, like, the, I don't know, the one spot where they kind of crashed through the wall, that was okay. But, I don't know, they sold that for fucking forever. Like it, it honestly, a lot of this fight felt like, um, do, do you remember the fight in Pineapple Express between like Seth Rogen and, uh, Danny McBride and, yes. uh, <laughs> oh shit, uh, James Franco, like the three stoners yeah. where they're just like fighting and crashing into the toilet and shit yeah. like that. that. This is kind of what a lot of this fight felt, felt, felt like. 
Yeah, it felt like drunk people just like kind of stumbling around. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what I was saying. There was like crack dudes in a den. Like, yeah, Wyatt looked like a straight up fucking crackhead, <laughs> and Randy didn't look a whole lot better. <laughs> and they're just fighting in this fucking broken down house, like a bunch of stumbling fucks. And it, and this is a house that clearly had a second floor. So why the fuck didn't they go upstairs? Like, shouldn't they have thrown somebody down a flight of stairs? Uh, there weren't any baby heads hanging from the ceiling upstairs, so they couldn't go up there. Right. And, like, they didn't fucking use the basement? Like, if anything, <laughs> use the fucking basement. It's a creepy house. Go yeah. in the basement. And, but... like, you... <laughs> go ahead. I don't know. There's not... There wasn't much more needed to make it a more horror thing. Like, I don't know. Or, like, you know what, as far as just, like, a straight horror thing, it's, like, if it was the House of Horrors, like, without going in the direction I wanted to go, where it's, like, really fucking creepy of, like, having his dad get raped in the ass, like, if you wanted to do it more PG in WWE, like, w- Wyatt has a cult full of people, right? Um, why didn't he just have his cult full of people ambush him at the House of Horrors? Like, have, or have the, like, he- just wait in the arena the whole time. Have Wyatt or have Orton have to beat up this house full of like you know crony nobodies, and they're all like jumping out of the walls at him and like hitting him with weapons and shit. But he has to like take out all these like goons, like twenty something goons, and then he shows up at the at the arena like perfect. And then Wyatt can beat him up because he's already beaten down, kind of. And like you could make it more like the horror film kind of stuff. Like uh, what's the one? Paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Like, do the thing where, like, Orton walks into a room, it's completely dark, turns on a light, and there's a shit ton of people in the sheet masks. And they just start beating the crap out of them. Yeah. Or actually, you know what? Fuck, even better. Yeah, exactly. Have them all come out like that and just beat the fuck out of them, like, choke them out, beat him with the weapons and stuff. Have him so that he doesn't even come to the arena. Have them bring him his, like, body to the arena. And then why it's just, like, laughing. As they, like, bring yeah. him just, like, strewn out, bloodied, beaten. You know, so then, like, you know, they filmed this in advance, so it's all like that. And you can just really make up, like, Randy Orton, make him look terrible. Like, make him look bloodied and beaten and stuff. And just drag yeah. him out. Lay him in the ring. Wyatt pins him. Like, it's all over. You could do, you could do the tiny hope spot where, like, Orton looks like he's going to get up. And then just doesn't. Yeah, like, he's, like, summoning the strength. Like, uh, and then just, like, yeah, falls down. Or, like, you know, the Wyatt gives him to Sister Abigail. So much better than what they did. Yeah, because this was just fucking garbage. Because, like, all right, that segment was bad. You know, and then Wyatt puts the fridge on him. And then Wyatt just gets into this limousine because the limo guy was just waiting there, I guess. (laughs) Like, Randy just told him to wait. And Uh, apparently had no loyalties to Orton, who probably paid for the limo. (laughs) Right, so he's he's like, driver, bring me to the arena. You know, and he just is like, well, all right, I guess, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then either this guy is like just fucking the most taking the most circuitous route. Maybe Wyatt said like, hey, wait, before you get to the arena, stop by at Wendy's. I need a burger. <laughs> After that ass whooping. Oh shit, a Dairy Queen. <laughs> oh shit, a Dairy Queen. Wait. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. I can't say no to the gravy, man. <laughs> like, did he stop for food on the way? Because uh, either... It had to have been ridiculously close, and he stopped, and then Randy Orton had time to get to the arena, or Randy Orton's a freak of fucking nature, and ran to the arena faster than the limo could get there. In which case, why didn't he just run to the house? (laughs) Why didn't he take the limo there? No, Randy called an Uber. Oh, yeah, he called an Uber. He called Steve Austin. (laughs) Stone Cold picks him up in the Uber. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, they drops him off at the arena. And then, my God, like, as if not to just shit on Wyatt in a weird way more, like, the fact that he would have lost this match if it hadn't been for Jinder Mahal and Jinder Mahal's goons. Like, he needed three guys to help him win this match, and none of them were his own guys. And it was his own match. And it was his own match. After Randy Orton had apparently uh, sprinted all the way back to the arena, he was still in good enough shape to fight and win this match. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess in the record book, you know, it still does say that Wyatt won this match, but uh, I honestly can't even feel like that's actually a win. 
no one you? won this match. No one. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a good point. Nobody won this match. <laughs> Everybody lost. Even Jinder Mahal lost this match, and he wasn't even in it. <laughs> <laughs> him just coming near it made him lose. Him just being associated with this match at all made him lose. Yeah. Alright. Uh, you know what? Is there anything else to even talk about from Raw? I think we've covered uh, everything from Raw, so we can just drop just the, the main down. event. Uh, oh yeah, just the main event, real quick. We had Miz is now the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship, only because we had uh, Samoa Joe interfere and take out Rollins, and Wyatt interfere to take out Finn Balor, leaving Miz to pick up the pin. Yeah, I, uh, man, that reminds me too. Like, what did you think of fucking Wyatt's segment there with Kurt Angle? <laughs> so weird. I thought that was so counterintuitive to everything his character is supposed to be. And just didn't make any sense. Like, Angle sitting there going like, yeah, you're here, but I'm still the boss. And then Wyatt was like, yes, but I'm the ruler of the world. And I was like, so what? Wyatt's, uh, like, higher on the hierarchy than Angle? Like, yeah. And then, and then he's, like, saying all this fucking stupid shit. And then Angle's just looking at him like, Jesus Christ, this guy's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> ankles price going like is this what i was like when i was on all those painkillers <laughs> <laughs> oh man he's probably like i know some people that can help you out bray like <laughs> there's there are people you could talk to <laughs> i know some uh, treatment centers you can go to <laughs> he has his new angle app it can help bray out <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, and so it, it ends up being, remember how we thought, like, all these feuds were flipping with, like, Wyatt may go after Dean, and uh, I think who was, oh, I think Finn Balor was going after someone else, I don't know. But now it's all back to it's Miz and Dean, Finn Balor, and uh, Bray Wyatt, and Samoa Joe and Rollins. So, it, all back to normal. Status quo on Raw. But over on yep. SmackDown, we got uh, Aiden English being forced into a strange uh, crybaby character, which I'm sure future to... future Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, future World Champion, World of, uh, Hall of Famer. I'm sure with this gimmick. Like uh, you know how Ric Flair is a two-time Hall of Famer, Aiden English is going to be a three-time with this. It's going to be however many tears he can make is however many times he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> one for each year. Uh. But you know what? I was I was trying to think like okay, so clearly this is shit. Um, and I think mm. the singing gimmick is better than that. And I was trying to think. Oh, it's absolutely better. What if? I mean, unfortunately, they're on opposite shows right now. I guess, but honestly, who the fuck would notice that they just put Drifter on SmackDown? What if they put Aiden English with the Drifter and have the Drifter play the guitar while he sings or something like that? Exactly. Just have him be his tag team partner. He comes out, is as heavy a little bit, you know, and sings, or, or, you know, not sings, plays the guitar while Aiden English sings. Yeah. And I mean, like they're a, not doing a douchey, anything with the Drifter. Like, hipstery uh, heel duo. I mean, how many weeks has the Drifter been on Raw now and hasn't said a word? Yeah. It's literally uh, just, literally <laughs> walked around, and then this week he played the guitar. Mm -hmm. And Dean Ambrose made a joke about him. So I I, don't, I think that would be the best thing for both of their characters. Yeah, to be honest. Uh, uh, we also had a great segment with the Fashion Police. Yeah, I like their Law and Order thing. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I loved it. It was just all the little things about it. Like we gave the Usos or what they call them the Uggos mm -hmm. uh, a ticket for jaywalking and Jimmy walking. Yeah, that was that was a good one. <laughs> Uh, and then they hyped up the match, too. I mean, what more could you ask for? Exactly. Like, you know, I, I don't think these guys are going to win the titles, but it's it's nice to see them, that they're actually getting something. Because, honestly, this is already more than I thought they were going to give them in this whole build. Like, the fact that they actually let them have this segment, like, that they put some effort into, like, this was a lot of fun. This was an example of guys giving not the greatest gimmick and making the most of it. Yeah, because it's like, honestly, I think this is this is one of the best things that they can be doing with this gimmick. Like, you know, I think obviously hopefully this will lead to like some storylines and some other good matches. But like, obviously, these guys are kind of a lower rung comedy tag team. 
And this is the great thing to be doing with them is make fun video segments and, you know, just have it be entertaining. Like, not every guy has to be the, uh, you know, world beater, ultimate champion wrestlers. Like, some guys exactly. can look be at entertainment it. guys. Look at Heat Slater and Rhino. All those funny vignettes. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a solid championship run on the tag team division. Yeah, exactly. And and even if it doesn't mean that these guys win the championships, if it just at least means that they're getting more of a feature and they're, you know, they've just got more of a character and there's more things for them to do, then that's good. It's going to give them more opportunities down the road. Exactly. And uh, uh, we got plenty of opportunity, too, for uh, the women with Becky deciding to uh, go tell the welcoming committee to go fuck themselves. Yep. And uh, I'm really hoping for an intergender match here at some point with James Ellsworth. I don't know what you uh, think. Do you think he fi finally gets his worth? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that would actually be a really good idea. I think that'd be fun. Oh yeah, uh, James is the. I mean, he's a he's a manager, right? And it's he is what Jim Cornette was there for back in the day of the the guy that would cheat. And then be able to get out of it because there was no physicality. You build up to it. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it would just be, like, clearly this is something that, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to what, um, I, I mean, I'm not a huge social media person, but I've been seeing that, like, Becky Lynch has been kind of seeming like she wants to fight for this and she wants to do an intergender match. So I say, like, fucking go for it because it's, it's kind of... You know, it's not something that they've never done in WWE, obviously, because China was the Intercontinental Champion. They put uh, Moolah and Mae Young through tables with the Dudley boys. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, you know, when done to a certain extent, like, it can be great. And I think that, you know, it shouldn't be like a, a, a start thing where they're going to do like Lucha Underground where everybody's fighting everybody. But, you know, no. just like in this limited context of, you know, he's... James Ellsworth keeps getting in the way and is cheating and pissing off Becky Lynch. And she's like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, I'm going to kick your ass, too. Just do the classic thing. Have her beat Carmella. When she beats Carmella, she gets five minutes in the ring with James Ellsworth. There you go. That'd be good. You can do a stipulation that put James Ellsworth in a shark cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I and I think it would do well. I don't think people would be like... Oh man, and a woman like if you do it in that way, I think you're right. I don't think you need to go the Lucha Underground route. If you just do it in that way, it totally builds up to it. and It's worth it, right? And and have it be just kind of like a one-off thing. So it's not just like that. Then James Ellsworth is going to be like the guy who fights the girls. Just have this be yeah. a wonder. You know, maybe at some point you could do it down the line, but just you know, do it for the story. Move along. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got you've got Naomi, who I thought looked pretty damn good, holding herself, uh, holding her own for a little while there against Naomi and Carmella. And I thought mm -hmm. even their experimentation with Charlotte as a face, maybe, I don't know. The crowd seems to be kind of into it, but it might have just been like the story of the situation. Even like if she, it's just a short term thing, I think it'll work. Yeah, she she could be kind of like a face of circumstance for right now while they're fighting off the welcoming committee, and then kind of go back to being a heel. Yeah, like. Yeah, she gets help from Becky and Naomi, but as soon as she gets her chance to get the championship by turning on them, she'll do it. Right, because I think her temporarily teaming up with some people to fend off the other people who are, you know, teaming up against her totally makes sense with her character. And she's done it before. Right, so there's precedent, and it makes sense. Yep. And then you can go into, because I, I do want to see some more Naomi and Charlotte specifically. I think that'd be great. I want to see some yeah. Charlotte and Becky. Give me that. Um, but then we have the super highlight from SmackDown, Owens' beatdown of Jericho. We talked about this a little bit, but... Yeah, uh, I just thought this was great. I didn't think they could do better than the Festival of Friendship beatdown, but they did. Yeah, I think the the chair on the next spot into the ring post was really what put it over the top as part mm -hmm. of this just being absolutely vicious. And Jericho selling it like a motherfucker, too. Oh my god, when, when Owens picked him up to like throw him into the ropes for the... I think it might have been the second or third pop-up powerbomb, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And Jericho just falls down. Yeah, he just can't even fucking stand up for the powerbomb. Yeah, so great. Yeah, he that was perfect. So, kudos to both guys. I think it was a perfect way to set off Jericho. 
even if you know I thought we had to wait longer than I thought, I thought it was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fucking excited, man. And actually, so I did a little bit of research, and I I figured out a very interesting little fact. Did you know that Kevin Owens, within his time in WWE from the when he uh, debuted in December 11th, 2014, till now, he has been champion more often than he has not. Really? Yep. Hmm. I've added up. So it's it's about like 11 or 12 months total that he hasn't had a title. And it's been 15, 16 months that he's had a title. And counting because he's, you know, the current U.S. title champion. Or, yeah, Jesus. Current U.S. champion. So, yeah. And, and I don't even know if there's actually anybody else in WWE that that would be true for. I think if it is, it's very rare. If it is, the only person I can think of right now that it might be true for would be Bobby Roode. Um, but, oh, yeah. But other than that, like, I mean, the fact that Kevin Owens has been in for a couple of years and that's true, that's astounding. I that's, think that's what I'm thinking, like, if you think about it over years. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was thinking, too, because, uh, you know, coming off of this week when they did the whole, like, Alexa Bliss making a history of being, like, the first woman to have the Raw and SmackDown titles, which that was another thing I didn't touch on. I think that's another really good reason why they put the title on her. I thought it was a good move because now that's an accolade that she can have for the rest of her career. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where, like, with Jericho, where they talk about, it's like, oh, yeah, you beat Stone Cold and The Rock in the same night. Like, mm. it's just, it's always, like, it's something that you can always carry around as, like, unique to that person. Mm-hmm. And Alexa Bliss will forever be, in this new era, the first woman to have held both titles. Yeah. Um, but then with, coming back to, um, oh, shit, I was saying Owens. With him having held a title more often than not, I think that'd be a really interesting thing to kind of keep building with his character that he's just like this perennial champion. And then he could even start talking about how it's like, you know, I, I've had a title more often than I've not. And that's always going to be the case. Cause I'm the prize fighter. Yeah. It, oh, it kills it with the prize fighter gimmick. And I think that would be a really great, you know, just keeping to add for his heel gimmick because then people could be trying to like knock him off and trying to like, you know, cause you'd have those numbers you could see. Like if somebody lost his title, then it's like, hey, you need to be, you need to get a title again, otherwise you're gonna lose that record. Yeah. Cause yeah, he would have a, I guess about a four month cushion until he would need to win a title. Right now, if my calculations are correct. <laughs> but I just 1. thought it was twenty one gigawatts. <laughs> One point twenty one gigawatts exactly. But yeah, I, I thought that was just like a really interesting statistic. That's that's kind of crazy. It's like blowing my mind right now. And it fucking fits his character because he's the yeah. prize fighter, so it's like perfect. Because yeah, like he's, he's you think he's about like the way that he's been prize. booked. Is he's yeah he's the way he's been booked is he's always going for a title pretty much. Because yeah, I think when I was looking at it, the longest span that he didn't have a title was when he uh, dropped the intercontinental title the second time until he got the universal title. That was his longest span without a title. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he goes quick. But yeah, um, that's pretty... I think that's pretty much all I have for this week. Did you have anything else? No, nah, that's all I had too. Oh yeah, I was gonna... You know what, fuck it. We were gonna talk about the uh, Ronaldo and JBL situation, but... I think uh, that's been talked about to death. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a TLDR. Um... JBL seems kind of just like a piece of shit. I don't think that he should be for fired for whatever he said to Ronaldo. I think JBL should just be fired because he sucks at his job. As Thank evidenced you. by his years of commentary on SmackDown, which suck, and by his little brief foray on Talking Smack, which sucked. Um, Remember when he was actually good at commentating, though? No, because he wasn't. I no, was excited. He was... No, I think he was maybe okay for like a week. But well, I think no, that was just because him and he had... Cole. When him and Cole were on SmackDown... Uh, JB, JBL pulled, like, he was actually the heel color commentator. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. Even if he was brief, good for a brief amount of time, he sucks. Oh, dick. yeah, he sucks, he sucks now. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then for Mauro Ronaldo, I think that really sucks that JBL was a piece of shit to him, but uh, I feel really happy for Ronaldo just because he clearly got a payout. 
payout and he's already doing other great things yeah. like he's called two boxing pay-per-views so far that people are raving about so yeah and i mean D- mauro Bernalo is fucking amazing at commentary like i think he was as far as just guys that i've heard within wwe he's second only to jim ross exactly and, like you know i was really glad to have had him while we had him uh fucking damn it jbl for ruining it <laughs> and uh i guess we're just back to the shit ass commentary you know what? He'll to. get picked up by somebody else, and he'll kick ass at it. So. Oh yeah, I I do I have no problem. Like I think Ronaldo's gonna be fine. Obviously, he's already fine. He's calling other shit now, so he'll do fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you just want to look at his resume of how good he is, name me how many commentators commentate pro wrestling, at mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing. So basically, any of the martial arts that make up mixed martial arts, like all of them, he's done it all. Yeah, because he's he's a, he's like he's dude. He's a fucking mark for yes. fighting, and he likes it. He likes watching it and commenting on it, and that's why he was so damn good at it, and why he is so damn good at it. And JBL just sucks. He just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so fire, I think that's our theme for this week. <laughs> Hashtag fire JBL for sucking, not for. Yeah, exactly. It's like not for saying some stupid shit or being an asshole to somebody. Just fire him because he sucks at his job. He sucks at his job. Let him go home. All right. All right. That's it. Uh, So thank you guys for listening this week. Uh, Please check us out on social media. Facebook, Super Smart Brothers. Twitter, at Smart Brothers. And shoot us an email, supersmartbrothers at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and our original home of Podbean. Straight up. All right, last thing I got to say, I think Goddess of WWE is the perfect nickname for Alexa Bliss. Love it. Damn that ass is divine.